When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? Wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is the big fight preview for this week. It is Joshua Buatzi and Dan Aziz fighting for the British and Commonwealth Light Heavyweight Championships at Wembley Arena. A great fight in the Light Heavyweight division this week. We also have Adam Azim on the card. Caroline Dubois defends her IBO Lightweight title. Ben Whitaker features. Francesca Hennessy features. And then in America, we've got the return of the synonymous one, Mr. Connor Ben. Of course, we will be having words about that particular fight that he's partaking in in America as well. And some breaking news, of course. If you've not already seen it on social media, Shakur Stevenson has decided he has quit boxing at 26 years of age. Yes, we do think it is also bullshit, but we will come to that a little bit later on in the show. Jamie is on the podcast, as always, covering these big fight weekly shows Jamie, welcome as always. A great fight this week, haven't we, with Buatzi and Aziz? Yeah, um, it's a, a real sort of British battle. Um, it's a case of, you know, we use the phrase quite often, don't we, recently, but a case of what you like, really, because uh, Josh Buatzi's been a bit of a bit of a damn firework, hasn't he? You know, he come out of the Olympics knocking people left, right and centre, and his career sort of stalled a little bit, and, um, I mean, we'll go into it a bit further, uh, a bit further on in the show, but I'm very much a sort of Dan Aziz fan when it comes to these two. I don't know if you've got a different opinion, but it's a, it's a fight of two very different styles, so uh, hopefully they gel and hopefully they give us a good fight. Well, I always liked Dan Aziz, and I like Dan Aziz because he's done it the hard way. He's done it the traditional way. That's what I've liked about him. Obviously, with Joshua Barazzi, I'm not going to fault what he's done because he's gone to the Olympics and he's got that that stage 
that. He's kind of like a leg up, isn't he? When you're an Olympian, you've automatically now, in this day and age, you're coming out of the Olympics ready to be signed by somebody. Whereas with someone like Dan Aziz, he's made his way from the small hall circuit, fighting at the York Hall multiple times, fighting on Steve Goodwin shows, doing all the necessaries in the background to build his career up. And I have been watching Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz actually made his debut the same year I got involved within boxing media. And funnily enough, he, I think he fought in December 2017 and I started around July 2017. So I've literally followed this guy's career from, from the off and I've watched him on all those shows down in London and he's built his career up. And, and I think what really people saw most recently was the big victories. I think from 2020 was when he really started to come into the forefront of people's minds where people in the wider parts of Britain started to see that this guy could be a potential opponent for the likes of Joshua Boazzi in the future. But then again, maybe people thought Joshua Boazzi would be further on in his career than where he is at at this moment. And here we are. We've got this fight. Dan Aziz, British and Commonwealth light heavyweight champion at the moment. He's had a great career so far. He's had some great fights and some really, really big victories and names on his resume in terms of domestic fighters in the light heavyweight scene. The likes of Ricky Summers, the likes of Hosea Burton, Reese Cartwright, Shakan Pitters, Rocky Fielding. I think those names alone on the domestic scene are very well known by a lot of fans that tune into this show. So if you've been following this show for a while, you know we've been covering most of Dan's big major fights across the last few years in particular. So he comes into this really with a great run of form. The pressure's probably not on him whatsoever in this fight, despite the fact he has the British and Commonwealth Light Heavyweight Championships. The pressure, of course, is on Buatze because you look at Joshua Buatze, and I remember saying this to you a few weeks ago, Jamie. Like you looked at Buatze's career and you look at what's happened now with the the injection of the Saudi money into the boxing sphere, and as a result of that. He's kind of been left out in the cold a little bit because he fought his best, Buatsi, to get himself out of that matchroom contract because he didn't feel it was any good for him. And now look where matchroom in Queensbury are and the money that's being pumped into big fights on, on their shows over in Saudi. Yet he's obviously stuck here in the UK. And it's not a bad thing, of course, but he's stuck and he's not getting those, those big major fights. But this is a major fight. In the grand scheme of the light heavyweight division, on the world stage of the light heavyweight division, this is actually a significant fight, despite the fact it's two Brits fighting. Both of these guys are rated in the top 10 in the light heavyweight division in the world. So this is a significant fight, not domestically, but also on a world level scale, because it really then determines who we are going to be looking at going forward as a potential successor to the likes of Peturbiev and Bivol if, if they end up finishing their career in the next year or two. Because if you look at the top of that division, we've had this conversation recently with Callum Smith and what he should do next. If you look at the division, a lot of the fighters at the top end of it are getting older now. So these guys are not going to be around forever. When you've got the likes of obviously Dan Aziz at 34 and Joshua Boazzi at 30, effectively they've got a good few years left in them before they probably call time on their career. I would have thought anyway, based on where they're both at at the moment. So this fight has good significance in terms of what the winner could do going forward in it so I'm going to bring it over to you now Jamie I've, I've had a little bit of an introductory piece of what I think about where both fighters are kind of are in their career where are you assessing both of them where do you assess Dan and where do you assess Joshua at this stage going into this fight well with um 
before going into their respective CVs, you're, you're very correct in what you're saying. The significance of this fight is significant on the world stage. Um, both men, they're, they're, you know, you know my views on the WBA. I've made them very clear. It's about a bit of a roundabout when it comes to the uh, comes to the lightweight scene at the moment because everyone's vying for top spot once uh, Baturbiev and Bivol eventually get it on, and I imagine the the titles will be splintered after that. But Joshua Batsy sits at number one in the WBA rankings. Dan Aziz sits at number two. And then just just show the significance of it, the significance of those rankings. Anthony Yard, who you could argue has had more of a journey, um, well, he's certainly had more of a journey on the world scene than either of those men. He sits behind both those men in the rankings. So they, despite Anthony Yard giving uh, Arthur Viterbi a ball he could handle, and um, not all he could handle, but he gave him a good fight, I'd say. Um, You know, he sits behind those two men. So it's definitely significant. This is a battle to face um, to face either of those men, really. Um, in terms of CVs, uh, the way it says, well, Dan Aziz, you, you could argue, actually has the better CV. All right, you know, in Britain, um, he's going to be more sort of well-known, but he's fought, some, uh, he's fought some very promising names, hasn't he? People that, you know, were looking to be in a similar position to him at one point or another. And he's, uh, he's dispatched them quite... Quite readily, really, he done the uh, he done the honour of um, Rocky Fielding and, and put Rocky Fielding away. I don't know. Was that Rocky Fielding's last fight? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was. Significant. Yeah, yeah. And then he's uh, he's dispatched of people as you mentioned, Shikan Peters, who was seventeen and one when they fought, and uh, you know he had quite a promising CV. Jose Burton, another man who's uh, he's not afraid of a ding dong battle. You know, so Dan Aziz has been in the trenches. Um, which is something that you could argue that Joshua Barsi is not, perhaps because their two styles are very, very different. And as he likes to sort of press and, and just uh, go in there, sort of all guns blazing, whereas Barsi is a lot more considering in his work. But, um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, the entertainment factor for me is a, is, is a big thing as well with these fighters and, and the way that Dan Aziz has all gone about his work against a higher level of operator, I think he's the favourite for this fight. Well, I look at, at the resume of Joshua Boazzi and, and the best two victories for him on paper, really, are the Bolotniks win and the Craig Richards win in 2021 and 2022, respectively. They're, for me, they're the best wins in terms of uh, people that they've also shared the ring with. So I think Dan Aziz does have, on paper, the more accomplished resume when it comes down to the pedigree of fighters that he's been in the ring with. So he's certainly going to be ready to get in the ring with Joshua Barazzi. And I can imagine he feels confident getting in the ring because Joshua Barazzi, I honestly don't think we've ever seen him at his best yet. I don't think we have. Despite the fact that he has had 17 fights, this is 18 fight. He's knocked out 13 of those 17 opponents. I honestly don't think we've seen the best. And we don't know what the best is yet because... I don't think anyone's brought it out of him. I don't think any of the fights that he's had have really brought it out of him to the point where we've looked at him and gone, do you know what? This guy's going to be the next world champion. We've been saying it for a while. A lot of fans have anticipated and expected that Buatsi will be an eventual world champion. But as we said earlier, his career has stalled for many reasons. It being promotional issues, the matchmakers not getting the fights that he really needed and I I admit some of that probably isn't his fault why he hasn't got the same resume 
as Dan Aziz going into this? Because I can imagine hearing what Buatzi says and seeing interviews with him, he doesn't strike me as the type that wants to take easy fights. He strikes me as the type that wants to fight whoever they can put in front of him. And unfortunately, at times, they haven't been the greatest of opponents or opponents that really are the same calibre of what we've seen with Dan Aziz. A lot of the guys that Dan Aziz have fought are all household names, especially for us in the UK. You guys listening in America, they might not be for you, but for us, they, these are like household names in the UK. These are some of the best light heavyweights domestically we've seen over the past 10 years. So the fact that Dan Aziz has been in there and beat every one of them that he's faced... To me, it gives him that little bit of an upper hand going into this fight with Buatzi, despite the fact that I do think Buatzi is naturally a more skilled fighter than Dan Aziz. And it is going to be essentially like a a fight where it could it could go a way in which you could see Buatzi step up to the plate and finally put on the performance that we're waiting for. Or you could see Dan Aziz just grind Buatzi down and, and do things to Buatzi maybe that he's he's not experienced yet. Maybe this fight will force Boatze to produce his best fight. And that's what's exciting about it for me is whilst I have watched Dan's career from start to where it is now, and I, I do have that little bit, and I'm not going to lie, guys, I do have that little bit of an emotional bias towards him. In my head, I know that on paper and what I've seen, Boatze is a better fighter. He's, he's skillfully a better fighter than Dan Aziz, and he can beat him. And I know he can beat him. My concern for Buatzi is, can he get himself out of that that sort of routine that he's in with fights where he, he just coasts through them? He, his, his ability's there, you can see it's there. He starts too slow at times. Sometimes he feels like he's coasting his way through fights. I think if he was to put this on Dan Early and cause problems for Dan Early and fight on the front front and not just go backwards all the time and, and allow Dan to come in all the time, we might see a really, really entertaining fight. But it all depends on, on how they both come in. I'm quietly confident that I think Dan, based on what I've seen of him throughout his career, he is going to want to try and take that centre ring straight away. He's going to want to try and assert his dominance in this fight straight away. So I don't have no concern that he isn't going to... He's going to be scared of taking this fight and he's going to be scared of engaging in this fight. I think he'll take his chance. He seems like the type of fighter to me that will go out on his shield. Even if he gets outclassed and outgunned by Buatzi, he will go out and he will certainly fight till he's literally out on the canvas. He's good. He's going to want to do that. He's, he's, he's a great fighter. He's a British and Commonwealth champion and he's that for a reason. We just haven't seen the opposite from Buatzi yet. And in some ways, I hope this is the fight. You know, even if he does go and beat Dan, I hope that Joshua Buatzi actually comes out of second gear in a fight and we get to see that potential that everybody's been banging on about for years because I was excited when he came out of the Olympics, Jamie. I thought, I can't wait to see this guy. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the light heavyweight division and the likes of the fighters that he can challenge. But so far, I'm, I'm kind of a bit like, yeah, you know, that's that's that's, that's that horrible feeling that I get about him. It's like, ah, he's, he's good, but we haven't seen the best of him yet. So it feels a little bit like a bashing of Buatzi here. But I'm hoping that what we get on Saturday night is something different. What I'm hoping is that I'm proven completely wrong in some respects. And despite the fact that I like Dan and I've, I've watched Dan's career, if Buatzi was to come out of this fight and actually absolutely blow him away and put on the best performance of his career, I'll be happy. I will be happy to finally see it. Yeah, um, you you mentioned before about, you know, Joshua Buatzi's never really 
his career stalled, and I've mentioned that as well. But when you when you look at their career, sort of five for five, you've got Dallas Eze, who's very, as I mentioned before, he's very entertaining. And he puts himself in that shot window and he illuminates that sh shot window, does Dallas Eze. And that's allowed him to to be in more attractive encounters, I imagine. As a boxing promoter, you want to put fights on that fans want to see. And every time Dallas Eze gets in there and entertains, he's putting himself on a bit of a higher step on the ladder in terms of the fights that he can garner, the fights that he can go in and then demand a decent decent wage and demand himself a good platform. Whereas, you know, you just hear a say he's not really taking advantage of that. Yes, he's skillful, but uh, against Pavel Stepien, I nearly fell asleep, you know, in his last fight. Um, he doesn't tend to, you know, he's a little bit like, uh, either for our American fans, a dollar store, and for our English fans, a pound shop. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, forgive me if uh, you think I'm sensationalizing here, but I'd say, like, he's a dollar store or a pound shop version of Dimitri Bivol. Now, Dimitri Bivol is very, very skillful. Uh, Dimitri Bivol, I think he proved in the Lyndon Arthur fight, he's very content to just do enough. All right, he coasted that Lyndon Arthur fight, just going off subject a little bit, Dimitri Bivol. He absolutely coasted it. There were times there where you felt, come on, you, you can put this man away. He's levels and levels above you. But, you know, he's very risk-averse. And I, I feel that that's where, you know, Joshua Boas, he suffers. So I think, really, he's only got himself to blame for maybe his career stalling because, let's face it, you know, Dizone, like, he left Dizone because he was like, oh, people... You know, I'm not going to be seen on the platform as much. I'm going to go to Sky where I'm going to be seen by more people. Does he maybe, you know, if I was managing him and as brutal as I can be sometimes, I'd be saying, well, look, you're not making yourself, you're not making yourself viable to be watched. You know, if he was fighting out in my garden at the moment, I'd close the curtains because against people like Pavel Stepien, you know, he should have been, should have been bossing that and he got a unanimous decision. Craig Richards, perfect opportunity, much like the Dunzees fight. You know, you're seen on a on a domestic stage, uh, quite close in levels. Obviously, Craig Richards, uh, he lost to Dimitri Vivo, so he's been at a higher level, and that was a chance for 
Joshua Barassi to turn around and really take the reins. Say, look, I'm one level above these guys. And again, he, he didn't really do it. It was quite a close encounter, really. Um, so, you know, Josh Barassi, he, I don't believe he's got anyone but himself to blame because these not poor performances, but very coasting performances, a la the Dimitri Vibbles of the world, they're not making you... They're not making you confident as a promoter that maybe if he steps up the levels, is he going to be able to do it? Because he's not blowing guys away. And Dan Aziz has done that on a, on a few occasions. He's a, he looks a lot more capable aesthetically. Um, maybe skillfully he won't be, but certainly, you know, from a fan's perspective, to sell tickets and everything like that, you're going to be more likely as a promoter to put Dan Aziz in big fights because you know that whatever every fight is going to deliver. This is the real acid test for... Uh, Josh Fuasi for me, if he can't impress, well, I mean, he's got to impress as well as beat Dan Aziz for me. Otherwise, you know, Bivol, Bivol is just going to, well, he doesn't have to fight him, does he really, Bivol or Baturbi? If they don't, they've got each other to entertain first. But, you know, if you make it a boring affair, they're more likely to either move up or Bivol can move down. If he wins, they're just going to swerve it. There's, well, what's the point? They're not going to be making money. They're not going to be in any danger of entertaining, you know. Josh Fryce, he really needs to put on a show and Dan Aziz just needs to do what he always does, grind out a win and just uh, prove to the world that he's the man. And I think he is the man in this fight, Dan Aziz. I think his desire is going to be there. I think, as you say, he's going to take centre ring and he's going to really grind it out. And absolutely grind it out. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to go in there and do that. He went over to France and won the European... Light heavyweight tire was well openly fairly uh, recently. He's not afraid of uh, adverse positions, and you know he'll be the sort of underdog in this fight. I think he'll, I think he'll relish it. You know the two are friends as well, so I imagine he's quite aware of what he brings to the table behind closed doors. So yeah, I don't think there'll be anything to intimidate Dan Aziz. This is his stage as well as Buatzi's, and uh, I just think the the desire, the grit. And, you know, he compares himself to Marvin Hagler. Well, this is the real time to put yourself, again, as I mentioned before, in that shot window. Prove to the world that you're Marvin Hagler. But down on your gum shield, it kicks some ass. Really looking forward to it, Jamie. I am. I think it's a great, great fight for the light heavyweight division. It's a great fight for us as British fight fans, seeing two Brits at this stage, at the world stage, fighting for the chance to go on to fight for a world title in, if not the next fight, the one following that. So it's a great opportunity. And like you say, I'll use your phrase that you've used today, shop window. This is a big shop window that they're in. They're in basically like the front of Harrods at the moment and they are putting themselves out there for a potential shot at a world title, whether it be Biv or whether it be Baturbiev or whether it be somebody else, they're in line to face the potential winner of that fight or maybe the next best contender for that WBO, WBAR or whichever title they get mandated to fight for. It's quite possible that they could end up being mandated either of them to fight for another title and division depending on what happens between Bivol and Baturbiev. However, prediction-wise, I've looked at this fight on numerous occasions and we're recording this prior to seeing the weigh-in and the the face-off, the live face-off that they've got, of course, on Thursday on Sky Sports. It's going to be an interesting one. There's started to be a little bit of needle between them now. It's kind of gone from we know each other, we're kind of friendly with each other, to kind of very competitive and, and, and really going at each other's throats a little bit. So it's really going to be interesting to see how 
the rest of the week plays out, of course. But I'm very interested in seeing how the fight plays out. And based on what I've seen from both of them, initially my head says to me that Joshua Boazzi could get a win here. And it might be a win, but it might not be the win that we want him to have. If we want to see him move on to bigger and better things, like you've hammered home the point, Jamie, that he needs to do it and he needs to win emphatically. He needs to put himself out there. If he was to get a a, a win over Dan Aziz and it was quite a laboured performance again, you're going to start to be turned off by him as a fighter and he'll have that Lawrence Acola effect, won't he? Because Lawrence Acola is the same. Like In some fights you see him and he looks fantastic and he, and he knocks his opponent out and then there's been too many of them that have just turned into a hug or a stink fest. And if Joshua Boazzi turns it into a little bit of a stink fest and grinds out a victory over Dan Aziz, I still don't feel confident that that's going to put him in good stead, ready to fight one of the biggest names in the division. He needs to be emphatic. He needs to be decisive about what he's doing in the ring. He needs to get out of second gear, as they say, get out of more than just that sort of stage of coasting through the fight. Go out there and sit down on your shots, throw hard shots in, work him hard. Don't just coast your way through the fight make it emphatic if you have to go to war with him go to war with him if that's what you need to do to get the win and make it emphatic do that he could win this fight and make it boring jamie and we could be sat here next week talking about the fight going yeah well we probably don't think he's going to win a world title because if he faces bivol or baturbiev he'll probably wipe the floor with him but if he does something emphatic then maybe just maybe it will build that confidence within us as fans in him to actually do something but on the flip side, Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz could out-hustle Boazzi in this fight. And that's the other side of the, the fight prediction, really. If if you're going to look at how this fight could play out, for me, Boazzi could make it an easier fight for himself and maybe a boring fight for us to watch. But Dan Aziz could make it a very fan-friendly fight to watch. He could get on the inside of Joshua Boazzi's reach and he could hurt him on the inside. He could throw them shots to the body, get himself in and out. Very much like what Jaime Munguia was doing against John Ryder last weekend, how he was getting in and out and he was switching from head to body. Dan Aziz is capable of that. We've seen Dan Aziz do that. We've seen him in fights against bigger opponents than him because he is quite small for a light heavyweight in terms of his stature, but he does use that to his advantage. And I think he could do that again here. If he could do that against Buatse, he could outscore and outland Buatse and, and, and make it an exciting fight where Buatse has to come forward. He has to fight because he could be trailing by halfway through the fight. And that might then lead Boazzi to come out and go, do you know what, I'm going to have to really put my foot on the gas. And that that's what, for me, it gives me them ingredients. It gives me that feeling that that's what's going to hopefully make it a really good fight, is that, you know, Boazzi, as he does, will we'll start slow and Aziz will pull away. And then it'll be a case of Boazzi's going to need to really come back. And maybe that's where we will see Boazzi a better version of him, where a version that actually we've wanted to see for a while and we've not got it. So I'm excited about the prospects of, of what happens here. In terms of what I think is going to happen, in terms of predicting the fight, now, obviously, these can always go completely wrong. It does happen. But in terms of this fight going down and who I think wins the fight, obviously, with that emotional bias in my head, my heart says he wants Dan to win. He wants. I love the underdog story. That's that's just me in, as a boxing fan in general. I love seeing someone go from rags to riches, and I'd love Dan to do it. However, my head says that Boazzi has got everything in the bank to stop Dan Aziz in his tracks and negate his style and take a decision over him. 
So that's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting that he does take the decision over Dan Aziz in what may be at times a an exciting affair, but also could be at times a drab affair. So, Jamie, my prediction, I think Joshua Boazzi gets another points decision here. Well, uh, you, you proved you proved me very wrong last week. You made me look a little bit ridiculous, didn't you, with my prediction with John Ryder? Uh, I said John Ryder went on points against Damon Mungir. I'm going to again buck the trend, and I'm going to have Dan Aziz uh, winning on points in a very, very gruelling affair. Um, I just think he's, you know, you mentioned about uh, Joshua Barazzi, and I do believe what you're saying. I think a lot of listeners will believe what you're saying. Josh Barazzi, with his Olympic pedigree, you know, he is capable of going out there and delivering um, delivering big shots, delivering knockout power and all that. But I just think, you know, I think he would have settled too much into his rhythm as this sort of boring fighter. A little bit like, um, you know, again, I mentioned it, Bivol just coasting, you know, because Bivol was a bit of a knockout puncher in his early career. Um, he was a bit of a terrifying force and then he just settled into this sort of rhythm, except I don't think Boazzi's as skillful as uh, Dimitri Bivol and I think he's going to be a little bit put off by what I believe Dan Aziz is going to give to him. And I think that is going to be frenetic pace, a lot of body punching, a lot of in-and-out work. And he's going to force Joshua Boazzi into a zone that I don't feel like he'll be comfortable with. I think if you've been coasting for too long and you're too used to opponents, you know, too used to opponents just not really firing back at you, you you've had it all your own way. I think you're going to be a bit shocked when what is coming back at you is a bit... Well, largely very, very different from from what you used to, and I think the the perfect barometer for that sort of um, analogy that I'm making is that Joshua Boazzi didn't look amazingly impressive against Craig Richards. All right, he he won the fight unanimously. Again, he he couldn't put the spider away, could he? And that would have been the perfect time to use that phrase again to put himself in the shop window. I'm not saying they're similar fighters, Craig Richards or Dan Aziz, but again, that was a domestic showdown. And, you know, he couldn't pull the trigger, Josh Boazzi. So I don't think, I think Dan Aziz is a better fighter than Craig Richards. I really do. You know, he's gone out. He's won the European title in, in France. He's gone out to another fighter's backyard. He's faced adversity. He's faced prospects uh, when you weren't expecting him to win. He's had a little bit of everything. And I think that's going to hold him in better stead than what Joshua Boazzi's career has held him in. So, yeah, I fancy Dan Aziz to to get the win, to grind it out, and hopefully get a, get a date, get a few quid against either Baturvia or Bibo in the future. So that is our predictions for the big fight. Also, we've got to mention what is happening on this card as well. So we will briefly touch on it. We won't go into too much of an in-depth conversation because there is a lot of talking points we want to address in this episode. So we've talked about Adam Azim a lot on this podcast, myself and Johnston, and about where his career is at, at the moment. He is fighting for the European Super Lightweight Championship against undefeated Enoch Poulsen, 14-0. Caroline Dubois fights and defends her IBO Lightweight Championship on this card also. Ben Whitaker is back on the card. Francesca Hennessy also on this particular card that features on Sky Sports at Wembley Arena. Now, I had a little bit of a joke at the start of the show about a certain Conor Ben fighting this weekend. Of course, a lot's been made about him taking on this opponent, Peter Dobson, 16-0 in America because of the fact that he can't fight in the UK and he's all very well publicised as to what's going on and why he's over there. But it's certainly not the uh, 
It's not the debut, the big fight he wanted in America. Put it that way anyway, guys. It wasn't the fight he really wanted. He's fighting a guy that nobody really knows over here. And, and from my understanding, not a lot of people in America seem to know him as well. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't, he's had what, one ten rounder in his career, this, this, this opponent in Dobson. And he's not really fought anybody on the same level as what Conor Ben has been in the ring with. So it, to me, it just feels like another keep active fight for Conor Ben whilst He's still trying to chase down one of these bigger names in the welterweight division. So he is also fighting this weekend. If anybody is remotely interested in it, or if you've not been already turned off by what's gone on outside of the ring in his career, he's also fighting in America. And IFL actually reported that apparently he should be fighting around half 10 UK time, which is obviously very early on in the uh, in the afternoon in the US, which is, is quite a strange one, really. But Amo Williams also features on that card as well, and so does Johnny Fisher. He is also over there with Conor Ben, and he is also going to be fighting a heavyweight who's 10-1 and one on this particular card. Not really much to say about it, if I'm being totally honest with you, Jamie. You know, it is what it is. Everything's been publicised about what's going down with this fight. I, I'd like to see what happens. I'm not going to go out on my way to see what happens, but I'll certainly be interested to see what he has to say if he does get a victory and if he continues to start calling out those big names at welterweight because he's certainly been mouthing off a lot about fighting big welterweight names, but are, re are really people going to want to see that? Does he bring any value to the table at this point in time given the issues he's had outside of the ring because he didn't even fight anybody big on our domestic scene, never mind fighting the likes of Devin Haney or Regis Progre or Teofimo Lopez's of the world. You know, he's not fought anybody domestically. So, really, are those guys going to see any value in taking on Conor Ben? I don't think so. Not really, no. I sit on the same sort of level as Johnston, really, in terms of the uh, in terms of my criticism of Conor Ben. He's, uh, you know, the man was going life and death with uh, the likes of Cedric Payne, who is even less known than this Dobson. He's got his got his uh, time in the limelight because of this fight. Um, I'll only be interested in watching it if the destroyer, uh, quote marks, gets destroyed. Such a destroyer that, you know, he's, he's won 22 times and only knocked out people. Uh, only had 14 knockouts. You know what I mean? That's not a Ben. It's not Nigel. Certainly not Nigel Ben. Um, you know, he, he struggled to really make a dent in a Roscoe in the last fight. But obviously we found out that Roscoe had an adverse finding. So it was a battle of the sort of adverse... Adverse light middleweight that fight, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Conor Ben brings to the table, but I'm not interested in it at all. I don't think we should be giving um, headlines to this. You know, I'm going to say the word. I, I think he's a muppet. I'd tell him to his face if I saw him, but I think he's a muppet. And uh, well, I don't think we should be giving him headlines. He's not proven. He's not really proven anything over in Britain. He's not uh, been cleared over in Britain where where he should be boxing. Uh, the WBC have come out and said they've cleared him. Well, you're not you're not a proper, you're not an actual body that's capable of providing that clearance. So what what does it mean? And he's uh, he's basking in the glory of that. You know what I mean? I think he drives around in. The, I'm sure he's got a Rolls Royce or a Lamborghini, something like that. It's it's the most he's got the most unwarranted sense of a, a sense of arrogance. This I'd love to I'd love to smack him in the mouth myself. I really would. Uh, I, I don't like him at all, and I'm sorry for sorry for going off off track there a little bit. But I'm sure that listeners are aware that I'll say what I think, say what I think, and uh, it's not about me smacking him in the mouth. 
I just hope Peter Dobson can do the job, do the job at the weekend and uh, put a lot of UK fans out of their misery. And you know what, Jamie? I understand your frustrations as well as Johnson's frustrations with Conor Ben. And, and you know what? It is what it is with him. I'm not giving him headlines. I think because it's talk- it's happening over the weekend, fans are talking about it. We can't not mention the fact that it's happening and completely or miss it. I mean, if it was Misfits Boxing or YouTube Boxing, then absolutely not. I wouldn't even be talking about that anymore. But the fact that it is Conor Ben and the fact that, you know, there's been so much saga around it, I think it's worth at least mentioning so that you guys listening, if you are actually interested and you are a Conor Ben fan, despite the fact that he's had the issues he's had, then he is fighting Peter Dobson. And you'd be able to watch that if you really do want to watch it. So that is the other fight I wanted to mention. And obviously Johnny Fisher on that card and Emma Williams. But the news that I said at the start of the show was the fact that Shakur Stevenson, <laughs> and I'm laughing as I'm talking about it, Shakur Stevenson has come out and said that he's retired. In, in, in not them words exactly, but pretty much around and about. And he's saying that he's retired, he's had enough, the weak ass game, blah, 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 blah. Um, where do you go with something like this? You know, it just feels like it's one of them moments like Tiafimo Lopez, who said he was retired and then he came back and won a title. And Floyd Mayweather did it many times. Sugar Ray Leonard did it many times in the 80s. I, I take all this sort of stuff with a pinch of salt. I feel like it's a bit of a ploy from Shakur Stevenson's end to really then make people pursue him in the sense that if if he says he's retired and they really want to see a certain fight against a certain fighter, then it it puts promoters and managers on notice to say, do you know what? We really want to see this fight. We know we're going to make a lot of money from it. Let's go back to him and chuck a shitload of money at him because he will change his mind about retirement. To me, it just feels like a ploy. What about you, Jamie? What do you think about it? Um, Sometimes I sound like a bit of a parrot, don't I? Because I echo your points, but those are the points I was going to make. Um, I think in terms of the retirement argument, I was going to bring Tiafimo Lopez in as the main, uh, the main example, the main comparison because he he retired. Uh, quote marks. Although he did relinquish his title, so it made it a little bit more believable. Sugar Ray Leonard, I don't think, should be included in that argument. You know that he's he's retired because he did have a detached retina um, that forced his retirement, so there were medical issues involved but again i'm completely cynical i think it's just one of those he'll prolong it um retirements nowadays in boxing is nothing when when fighters fight once a year anyway so i don't really know what he's doing unless he's staying at the sport three four years um i think that's the only way he can really demand more money stay at the sport three four years and you know the promoters are shouting his name but i'm, I'm not interested i just think it's another it's another bit of a fairy tale bit of a pantomime and you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why sometimes I, you know, I can take a break from, from boxing, the boxing sphere sometimes, because it just annoys me. Get in a ring and fight, and you can have as much money as you want. You can demand as much as you want. Don't just spout off on social media, which social media is both a blessing and a curse, as we know. You know what I mean? He just wants to make as much noise to generate as much money for these fans who don't know any better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Sean. I think it's a load of uh, cods, but... Yeah, I'm not making too much of it, to be honest with you. It's, it is what it is. Give it a, a week or two, maybe even a month or two. And before we know it, you know, things will have changed. But it is worth talking about. Of course it is. It's, it's just one of them situations where you can't not have 
uh, a bit of dialogue on it because, of course, people are talking about it on social media. People are saying what we're saying. They think it's just a load of codswallop, a load of bollocks, that it's just, it is what it is, and um, it'll change. Give it and give it another couple of months, and we'll be we'll be forgetting about this moment, like we did with Tiafimo's, and, and look where he is now. And <laughs> it's, it's just one of those mad moments where a fighter just has, yeah, he just has one of their moments, don't they? Where it's, oh, you know, I've had enough of this for whatever reason. I've had enough. I'm going to retire. I'll put it on social media. The next thing you know, Scott Stevenson fights Devin Haney. We're having a mega fight somewhere along the line. Before we know it, all this will have been forgotten about. But for the purpose of you guys listening, of course, we wanted to make sure that we did mention it and give our thoughts and feelings and, and what was going on there in this particular boxing sphere this week. Well, it brings an end to the episode. This show has all been about Dan Aziz versus Joshua Boazzi this coming weekend. A great clash on the domestic and world scene for two British light heavyweights looking to become a world champion. We've both gone for our predictions. Jamie, you've gone for Dan Aziz. I've gone for Joshua Barazza. Let's see how this fight plays out. I'm looking forward to getting back on post-fight and talking about it. Depending upon what the result is and, of course, depending on what that means next for both of these fighters. But I'm really looking forward to the fight. And so should you listening. And we hope you have enjoyed listening to our preview and our take of what entails in this fight coming this weekend. And if you have, please do let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There is a TikTok channel as well. I do post little bits here and there upon there. If you want to listen to some of the series-based content and you want to do it on YouTube, there is series-based content on YouTube as well that you can listen to on there and drop comments below. If you've been listening on Spotify, please leave a comment below. Thank you to everybody that does leave comments below it is really appreciated every time i see them come through i make sure they're published so that everybody else can see what other people are thinking and finally a big thank you goes out to the patrons of the podcast we hope you've been enjoying your early access episodes of this season's legendary nights thank you as always for supporting us during this podcasting journey if you are not a patron please do check out patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast for more information on how to become a patron well, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Big Fight Preview on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.